1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Green on a dive, layup, missed it. Suns dodge a bullet, here comes Booker, full head of steam, left hand, and he's fouled. It's all the way to the basket, he can get some contact. Here's Beal, seeing a lot of active hands, and he goes off glass, and he gets it to go. Bradley Beal with his 19 points, and he is pumped. His eye is on the prize right here, I don't know what type of move that was. Dame challenged by Murray, above the break. Survey sees two, takes the three, got it! Triple with eight and eight ten seconds remaining. Three and two on the rookie catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Right field, McCarthy to the track, to the wall, and it's gone. For Alvarez, that's his third home run in the last four games, and we are tied at one. He hits this one deep to center field. Alec Thomas chasing after it. He won't get it. It's off the wall. Beatty will come around and score. Banna heads for third, and it's an RBI triple. Remember that two-strike pitch that Alvarez just barely got a piece of to stay alive. Chafin was one strike away, and now trails it 2-1. to one. Stafford. Akers will try once more. Akers. Ball pops out. The ball loose at the goal line. The oh. Wow. And watch Buda Baker, heat-seeking missile, puts his helmet right on the football and just pries it loose. And loose the pitch on Mike, swings it down and fouls it back behind the plate. Trout's hitting 264. And something's up with Mike. He's going to be uh, checked out right now. He's pointing to his wrist. Yeah, this is, yeah, he's pointing to his outside of his left wrist. And I guarantee it, he's coming out. Here's Shohei swinging and driving a ball deep out into left center, and that one lands in the second deck. Otani has hit another home run in this series. Another two-run homer. The Angels add on, and the Angels now have a 5-2 lead. One shy of their high-water mark of the year. Called third strike. Astros win it. Ryan Presley slams the door in the ninth. A 1-2-3 inning starting and ending with a strikeout. The Astros win both games for the Rockies. They have won seven of their last eight and currently are two and a half games behind the Rangers in the AL West. That's a nice series sweep for Houston. The 2-1. Hard hit ball. Caught it first by Turner and the ball game is over. A hard smash off the bat of Robbie Grossman, but Turner one step to his left, keeps it from going down the line, and the Red Sox pull even in the series as they hold on to defeat the Rangers tonight by the final score of 4-2. to two. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. 
And welcome to the Thursday, July 6th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Suns are the legitimate 2024 championship contenders. The Heat, should they be among the top five contenders to win the finals if they add Damian Lillard? The Diamondbacks, can they wait any longer to add bullpen help? The Cardinals, should they try to trade Buda Baker at some point in 2023? The Angels, with Mike Trout out several weeks, should they trade Shohei Otani? The Rangers, will they hold off the Astros to win the American League West? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, it'll be an NFL, uh, excuse me, an NBA. NBA, when we come back from vacation, it'll be lots of NFL, like every day for months. But today, an NBA off-season update. Uh, that'll start with some Suns discussion. We'll talk with Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. 9.30 interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include uh, some Diamondbacks and Mets analysis. Not a happy situation there last night at Chase Field. And in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the national roundup top by from the MLB scoreboard. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. And that will include, among other things, more phone call time. All right, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we begin with the uh, KDUS uh, poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, do you consider the Suns to be a championship contender in the 2024 season? And Corey is here and has the early returns. Pretty even so far. Leading, though, is yes, 60% of the vote there. No at 40% on KDUS1060.com. The Suns, through uh, Wednesday afternoon, they were third in the Nevada consensus odds to win the 2024 finals. The Nuggets are plus 450 favorites, followed by the Celtics at plus 550, the Suns at plus 650, and for the record, the Bucks are plus 700, and the Lakers are plus 1100. Remember Las Vegas and Nevada, heavy Lakers territory. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, should the Heat be among the top five favorites to win the NBA Finals in 2024 if they add Damian Lillard? And, Corey, what do we have here? Yes, in charge. 95% of the vote there, no at 5% on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Lillard wants to play in Miami, and the Heat, based on their offseason, seem to be nearing, a, at least, let's put it this way, clearing calorie, salary cap space. Easy for me to say calories, salary. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of a, not, not a, a totally in shape dude. Uh, they seem to be clearing salary cap space for Lillard, uh, who basketball-wise would seem to be an excellent fit with Miami. Meanwhile, on the local front, uh, the uh, Diamondbacks bullpen blew another game. They were within one strike of winning last night before Andrew Chafin allowed the game-tying homer and eventual game-losing triple in uh, the Diamondbacks' third consecutive loss. Should the Diamondbacks general manager Mike Hazen 
uh, add bullpen help well before the August 1st trade deadline. Buda Baker will be with the Cardinals to begin training camp. That's according to his agent, who also added that Baker wants a deal that shows he's, quote, a long-term part of the team, end of quote. Should the Cardinals try to deal Buda Baker at some point in 2023? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, Mike Trout had wrist surgery on Wednesday. He reportedly will miss several weeks, which could mean there, there, there appears to be zero chance, quite frankly, that he's going to return before the August 1st trade deadline. So should the Angels trade Shohei Otani or attempt, at least attempt to trade him before that August 1st trade deadline? Meanwhile, the Rangers lead the AOS, but that lead is now down to two games. The Rangers have led the division for all but one day this season. Will the Rangers hold off the Astros to win the AOS? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All the way back to yesterday. All right, that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by an NBA offseason update. Dan Favale, Bleacher Report, scheduled to join us. We'll talk about the Suns. We'll talk about Draymond Green returning to the Warriors. The Lakers have had an interesting offseason thus far. And many other NBA topics, so stay tuned for that. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. Top by the Diamondbacks and Mets uh, Wednesday night analysis. That's not going to take very long. There wasn't a lot going on in that game last night. A few interesting things. Uh, the both starting pitchers really good. The Diamondbacks bullpen, as we mentioned here in the pipeline, failing miserably for a second consecutive night. So we'll cover some of that then. All right, right now and throughout this hour, you are listening to Sports Now with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Little Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers there. Of course, we're your home for the Dan Patrick Show, as you just heard, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. All right, the Suns have made some headlines, adding Bradley Beal and Eric Gordon out to the KDUS hotline we go. And for an NBA offseason update, we're now joined this person by Dan Favale, Bleacher Report. And Dan, always good to have you. Let's start with the Suns. After a seemingly, really almost a decade of me begging them, they have added Eric Gordon. He got a low price there to get him, and they've also added many low-salary bench players uh, are any of the Suns' additions, other than Gordon, 
uh, any better than the feeble bench that we saw the Suns throw out there when they were eliminated by the eventual champion Nuggets? Um, yeah, I do think you know two of the other signings that stand out to me the most are first and foremost the Utah Watanabe signing. Uh, he has familiarity playing with Kevin Durant. He's a really good three-point shooter. Uh, he doesn't always take them though, and so that's something they'll have to overcome if he's passing up shots. But as someone who we moved around defensively on the wings. That's absolutely huge. And I think the Keita Bates-Diop flyer was really good for them. He shot the ball extremely well from three last year. I think a lot of people believe it's over his head. But if he can knock down those shots, even close to a league average clip, he's someone else who gives you a lot of different defensive options um, on the perimeter at a bunch of different positions. And I would even add, look, the Drew Eubank signing, I have questions about him offensively and even defensively, but there's there's real switchability to what he can do in the – in the half court. So to, to pick up those bodies, especially when, you know, you know Tory Craig now is not going to be back, that ends up being a pretty big deal. So the quartet of Booker, Durant, Beal, Eaton, and whatever role Gordon's going to fill, is that enough to be a championship contender here? Yeah, I mean, look, the big four alone is enough to be a contender if you can get relatively good health from them and then some, some of the supporting cast members you have around them. I think when you look at the Sun. Um, if you assume that you know a bulk of their big four is going to remain healthy and they wind up hitting on one or two or three of their minimum signings, they're going to be right in the fold. But the two biggest questions for them, um, aside from how is this actual depth going to play out, it's how do you do with the health of your main stars, specifically Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, who both miss, missed a bunch of games over the past couple of years. And while that's fine in the regular season, what does that do to your postseason seeding and then your playoff bracket? How much tougher does it make that? And then I still just have a lot of questions defensively about this team. Throwing in pure stoppers like maybe a Josh Okoge or a Katie Bates-Diop, that, that could perhaps help. But will submarine your, your offense at all? Are you asking too much of DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant defensively right now? Are you asking too much maybe of Devin Booker defensively? Is he going to see just more time having to operate at the point of attack as both a facilitator but also on the defensive end? And so those are the biggest questions that stand out right now. But in terms of pure talent, at the top of this roster, there was more than enough for them to be a title contender. Okay, let's stick in the Western Conference here. Draymond Green back to the Warriors. They also added Chris Paul. Does uh, Paul fit the Warriors, and how do the Warriors stack up, do you think, in the Western Conference right now? I don't know if Paul fits the Warriors. He's probably more adaptable than people give him credit for, but if you're going to have Chris Paul on your team, I would think that you're going to have to run more traditional pick and roll, both when he's playing with Steph and and without Steph. And so that's something to watch. I do think, though, even more so than when they had Kevin Durant, it's just a pure orchestrator. Chris Paul gives you a better opportunity to win the minutes you play without Steph Curry, which has been a problem for the Warriors, even dating back to those Kevin Durant years. How they stack up against the rest of the, the Western Conference, that's really tough just because you don't know what Clay's going to look like. He played in a bunch of games last year, but he didn't look like himself for, for long stretches. Draymond Green's a year older, even Steph's a year older. Chris Paul is older. And so I have questions about the durability of this team and, and how much are they going to be able to get out of Kevon Mooney, Gary Payton II. Do we see Brandon Podzinski, a rookie, play a role right off the bat? Um so there's just a lot of question marks, but I do think when you kind of look at, you know, even Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody's ability to step up and get more minutes, if they can answer any of those questions sort of in the affirmative, I think I'd put them right up there when we're going to mention Denver and Phoenix as among the foremost contenders in the West. I do still think a fully healthy Warrior squad belongs up there as well. 
the Lakers. They kept Reeves and Hachimura. They made some interesting additions. Are the Lakers better now than when we last saw them when they were being swept by the by the Nuggets? And did they need to keep D'Angelo Russell? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if they needed to keep D'Angelo Russell, but I think it was probably good business just to keep his salary slot. So if he does have a good year, or if you need salary ballots for a trade, that you know the eighteen million dollars a year isn't necessarily going to to break you, and it's substantially less than he was making. When I look at their roster. There's definitely more balance and perhaps more upside to it. I love the Gabe Vincent addition as someone who can create a little bit off the dribble, play off the ball, and then defend the point of attack. I just don't know if they're going to be as different or as upgraded as a lot of people believe they are. Their question is still going to be, who is the third best or third most important player on a night-to-night basis for this team? And maybe Gabe Vincent or Rui Hachimura or even D'Angelo Russell can, can answer that consistently, but they're still basing this on a a lot of different flyers. They don't have a ton of two-way wings, guys who can defend but also hit a bunch of threes at the other end on this roster. And so I kind of feel like they're in more of a similar spot when we, compared to when we last saw them, but they they're definitely feel at least slightly better or at least have the ability to be better than they were when you look at some of the, the upside swings that they've taken. Dan Favelle, Bleacher Report, currently in the sports zone. All right, Damian Lillard to Miami. I think it seems to be a good basketball fit. Do you agree with that? And if uh, Lillard does not end up with the Heat, where might he go? Yeah, I think it's a good basketball fit. Uh, He brings exactly what Miami needs, which is some off-the-bounce shooting and more creation in the half court. Um, And he just he's able to play well off the ball. So that works immediately with Bam and and Jimmy Butler. And they have the defensive uh, infrastructure to, to insulate him on that end. Whether it actually happens, uh, if it does, I think one of two things are going to need to happen is that Portland accepts probably less than they should to trade Dame, or there's going to be a third or fourth team that really values Tyler Hero that will include assets that can really make the deal more palatable to the Blazers. Uh, Because right now Miami's best offer doesn't stack up in theory with other teams' best offers. And so if they win the sweepstakes, it's probably because Damian Lillard and his camp have scared other suitors out of the equation. If he doesn't end up in Miami... I think teams to keep an eye on. Brooklyn, of course, has been mentioned a bunch. I could see a Utah getting involved just because they have so much pick equity. And it really just wouldn't shock me at this point to see maybe San Antonio after getting Weminyama or even Toronto yeah. after losing Fred Van Fleet. If those are two teams that maybe look to accelerate their timelines a little bit. The 76ers still have James Harden. What happens to him? And and what can the 76ers do to improve their chances of at least reaching the Eastern Conference Finals, which is better than what they've done during the Embiid era, to, Embiid era he tried to say, uh, to this point? Uh, the James Harden stuff, I don't know what's going to happen. I do think we'll probably not see a resolution to this until the Damian Lillard situation is resolved, since at least some of those teams, looking at Miami, maybe even the Clippers, are at least tangentially involved, um, or at least invested in what happens to uh, to Lillard. Um, beyond that, though, I don't know. I think it's totally on the table that he's back in Philly next season. Harden. Uh, I don't know how they improve from here. They had to sit out the first part of free agency. They lost some key guys in George Niang, Shake Milton, Jalen McDaniels. No one was necessarily mission critical. And you did pick up Patrick Beverly and Mo Bamba. I don't know how much you can rely on them. I don't know what the path is to them upgrading their roster from here on. I don't think you win a James Harden trade to make your roster better. And if you keep him, Unless you kind of stumble into some of the guys that are remaining on the free agent market, does Kelly Oubre Jr. come to play, um, you know, for the mini Emily or, or at, at the minimum? And how much does he actually do for your roster? 
their best bet at actually making a material upgrade would be does Tobias Harris's expiring contract, one first-round pick, and then maybe Tyrese Maxey get us anyone of consequence. As of now, it doesn't look like that gets them in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. And so what star is going to come on the market that really would elevate their position? Uh, they're in a very tough spot. I fail to see how they're going to be meaningfully better this, this year than they were this past season. The Bucks. They kept Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Jay Crowder. They added Robin Lopez. Is that enough for the Bucks to win the East, uh, even if Lillard does end up in Miami? Yeah, they definitely have enough to win the East. I was a little bit surprised to see Jay Crowder come back after he was confused as to why they traded for him. But I guess losing Joe Ingles, that opens up some minutes for him. The Malik Beasley signing can end up being really huge for them if he hits his threes again. He can get those off in volume and really open up the half court. And it wouldn't shock me to see him be, you know, between him and Jay Crowder, your fifth closer, most common I think with a team that has Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, who did have that knee procedure, but if he's going to be healthy, you have Drew Holiday. Brooke Lopez is the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year this past season. If Chris Middleton is going to be able to stay healthy, um, you know, the top five to seven, eight guys on this roster are really interesting and capable, and so I think that gives them a shot against anybody in the East, whether that's Boston or a Miami team that has Dame Lillard. Okay, you just mentioned Boston. That's where I'm headed next here. They added Porzingis. I've never been the biggest Porzingis fan, never quite understood why he's considered a difference-making player. Maybe you can change my mind on that. And also, what do you think? Uh, I think it's safe to say it's the new-look Celtics one way or the other. Yeah, look, he was an impact player last year. He was hitting a bunch of tough jumpers off the dribble, facing the floor with a three-point shot. He looked incredibly mobile on the defensive end, especially as a rim protector. Uh, the big question there is going to be, can he stay healthy? He had a relatively good run during that year and a half in Washington, but there's another evidence, there's a lot more evidence that he has all these lower body injuries. And even if he is playing at his peak, you really did sacrifice playmaking and defensive versatility by trading Marcus Smart. Porzingis is not the passer, of course, that Smart is, and he's not going to defend as many positions, isn't going to hold up as well on switches. And so you're relying an awful lot on your other secondary playmakers, or just these dual big lineups that play him with either RW3 or, or Al Horford, um, carving out enough defense and physicality uh, to make an impact. I think it's a worthwhile gamble, um, I, but I do think it's a gamble all the same. And unless this is, you know, unless we see them really hit on the O'Shea Brissett signing, or does Delano Banton turn in anything for Boston, I could see this being a team that needs to make a supplementary move, either still this offseason or closer to the trade deadline that, above all else, adds another playmaker to their fold. Talking NBA with Dan Favelle, Bleacher Report. Okay, I wondered, I think, for several years now, uh, what are the Mavericks doing, including Porzingis, the last few years uh, and months, uh, trading for Kyrie Irving and now keeping him. How would you evaluate the Mavericks? I think they've had a pretty good offseason. Um, missing out on Matisse Seibel, who's headed back to Portland, is going to sting a little bit. But keeping Kyrie Irving on a sub-max deal where you don't have to guarantee him more than three years of salary is probably a win for them. Um, I really like the Grant Williams acquisition. Whether giving up that 20-30 first-round swap is going to be worth it remains to be seen. But they're a deeper team than they were at the start of the offseason. There are still questions. You know, Grant Williams is going to give them some switchability on the defensive end, but they still do need to load up on wing defenders, and Tybal would have helped that out a bunch. And so I think that's what they're going to have to zero in on, either you know, remaining in free agency, can they get a flyer on an Io DeSoon move, do they get involved with Kelly Uber Jr., or can they make some type of an impact trade where they can 
uh, acquire a go-to wing defender because as of right now, that is what this team is still missing. All right, staying in the state of Texas, the Rockets had plenty of money. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was stunned that they paid and gave Josh Landale four years. I think everybody here that watched him play for the Suns is pretty stunned by that. Um, but the Rockets did a lot of stuff. What do you, what do you think of them after uh, the last couple of weeks? I thought everything they did was reasonable. Even the Jock Landale contract is only one guaranteed season, and so that helps them out. Fred Van Fleet maxing him out, it seems like a ton, but that's only two guaranteed seasons. I thought the Dylan Brooks signing was probably the gutsiest, if maybe the most, you know, if you want to call it a boneheaded move of the offseason for them, guaranteeing him $80 million, even on a declining scale. Uh, he's just so damaging offensively that it's tough to see if he's going to elevate them in the near or, or long term. But I think as a team that's starting to owe some first to Oklahoma City in the coming years, they wanted to accelerate their position. And I respect what they did in going out and getting guys like Landale, who care about defense. Ditto for Fred Van Fleet, who also gives them an offensive organizer. We know Brooks will defend his butt off. Um, and even a Jeff Green, having a high character threat in the locker room. Everything we've heard mm-hmm. coming out of Houston the past couple of years is that there's just sort of no culture or rhyme or reason of what they're doing. And I still think there's a lot to be determined there. But I think they at least signed, with the exception of Dylan Brooks, a bunch of guys who are going to elevate the development of the youth around them rather than take away from it. So we've covered a bunch of teams here. What other teams do you think did a good job or maybe not such a good job in the early part of this offseason? Um, you know, honestly, I think that Portland um, kind of sitting on whatever's happening with Damian Lillard, not being able to reach a resolution before free agency began is a fairly big loss for them. I don't know if it would have changed the outcome with what they did with Jeremy Grant or the Keith Bible, but it certainly would have provided them with uh, some clarity. I do like what uh, Indiana did for the most part, picking up Obi Toppin and then giving Bruce Brown that inflated deal with only one guaranteed year, and so they feel like uh, sort of an understated winner at this point. And I would also say a team that could be a winner or a loser would be the Chicago Bulls. I like the additions of Torrey Craig and Javon Carter. I don't think the Kobe White or Nikola Vucevic deals are bad, but it's just such an uninspiring direction when it looks like they're really trying to maintain the the status quo when the status quo is hey we pop out as a team that can maybe possibly win one postseason series now you mentioned a couple of players here that are still out there who are some players that you think are still out there that could land and maybe some prime spots and and be immediate contributors to possibly even good teams uh, i think a couple that stand out i already mentioned io to soon move he's not a traditional point guard but he can handle the ball uh, his shot fell off this past year, but he can finish at the rim, and he defends basically four positions at this point. Kelly Oubre Jr. is still floating around out there. I don't know if he's just sort of waiting to resign in Charlotte once they know what's happening with P.J. Washington, who's probably the best free agent available in P.J. Washington. He is restricted, though, and so there aren't teams that can just go out and offer him uh, a ton of money now that I think every single team has used up a bulk of their their cap space. And so those three names, maybe a Terrence Davis is sort of an undersized 3 and D type player could help out a contender, but I think those are the best names you're looking at on the market right now. Okay, last up, it's obviously the Summer League season is underway. The Las Vegas Summer League starts this weekend. Uh, you know, Victor, we're going to see him in the Summer League in Las Vegas. What do you expect or want to see from him, and who else in the Summer League kind of has your attention individually? Uh, to answer the second part of that question first, I think Keegan Murray, he's already kind of shown that there's more off-the-bounce creation to his game. Is Sacramento, they're going to let him explore that in the summer league. Will he get a chance to maybe bust it out 
uh, in the regular season because after the offseason they had, their quickest path to improvement is going to be internal development through him and guys like Fox and Sabonis as well. With Webanyama, I think you're just looking to see, you know, how does he um, do with a ton of defensive attention on him and what are his uh, responsibilities going to be on both ends of the floor? How are the Spurs going to use him? That should kind of clue us into how they plan to deploy him during the, the regular season. And if we're looking at one aspect of his game, I'll just be watching to see whether the, the rim protection, that roving shot blocking translates to, to this level immediately because I do think that's the most special part of, of what he brings to the table. Dan, appreciate it. Uh, we're going to leave you alone here for a couple of months at least. So thanks for all the knowledge in the last several months. Thanks. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Take care. Our pleasure. Dan Favell, Bleacher Report. Excellent stuff as always. And uh, we've, uh, you know, I'm guessing that uh, I'll have a little tally sheet in my brain here or written down, but I'm pretty sure that we've had Dan on more than any NBA guest since the start of last regular season. And, uh, it's not there's uh there's a little bit of an off season once we get past this summer league here but uh we'll give uh, dan a little rest at least from us in the next few weeks here all right next segment phone call time if you want to get in 602-260-1060 general discussion also we'll get today's local roundup then that'll be topped by some braves and mets wednesday night analysis uh time pending we'll get to a little bit from the it was not, not a good night for the Diamondbacks last night, in addition to blowing the lead with uh, you know, one strike away from winning and uh, beating the Mets last night. They lose that. And also the Giants uh, won, and the Dodgers held on uh, with Daniel Hudson and J.D. Martinez leading the way in uh, Los Angeles, a couple ex-Diamondbacks. So bad night for the Diamondbacks. We'll get into that a little bit in the next segment. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. If you'd like to jump aboard, phone call time, general discussion, you can feel free to interrupt at any point here, 602-260-1060. Get your phone calls if you like, anytime here. Uh, but first up, the national roundup from last, uh, excuse me, the local roundup from yesterday. Uh, the Diamondbacks bullpen failed the, really the last two days after Miguel Castro allowed the game Deciding home run to Francisco Alvarez on Tuesday. Andrew Chafin allowed a, a two-strike, two-route homer to Alvarez when it was 1-0 last night. Then Chafin followed that by allowing a single to Brett Beatty. And then the game-deciding triple to Mark Canna and the eventual Diamondbacks 2-1 loss to the Mets. Torrey Lavello uh, used his frequent closer of late, Scott McGuff, in the seventh and eighth innings. So he was not available in the ninth inning. However, the biggest problem for the Diamondbacks last night was their offense. One run, they struck out 12 times, had 18 swinging strikes against Mets starter Kodai, uh, Kodai Singa, who actually, he, he he did not pitch past the seventh inning in a game this season. He pitched eight innings last night against the Diamondbacks. He was tremendous. Tommy Hendry continued his excellent recent stretch. He pitched six shutout innings. He allowed just two hits and three walks and two strikeouts uh, in those six innings. 
the Diamondbacks failed to score any runs with Henry on the mound. That's unusual because Henry entered last night with the fourth best offensive run support of any pitcher in baseball this season. Not the case last night, obviously. They didn't score any runs when Henry was pitching. Another constant this season for Henry has been the Diamondbacks' good defense. Uh, It's been good nearly all the time when he's out there pitching. I think that's partly because he throws strikes and he works fast. Last night, he benefited from excellent plays, two of them from Alec Thomas in center field. Nick Ahmed made a sensational play and an excellent throw to Christian Walker to retire Francisco Lindor early in the game. So, once again, the Diamondbacks playing really good defense behind Henry. Last night was the first time the Diamondbacks had lost in Henry's last eight starts. Personnel moves and personal news, I should say. Cattell Marte missed his second consecutive start with back soreness, but he did pinch hit in the eighth inning and play defense in the ninth. Meanwhile, the bottom line, the Diamondbacks for a first-place team, they have an amazing number of crushing late-inning losses. Obviously, last night, the most recent Uh, Up next, the Diamondbacks and Mets three-game series concludes tonight with Ryan Nelson, 5-4, the 467 earned run average, scheduled to face Carlos Carrasco, who has been bad this season, 2-3 with a 594 run average. Nelson has turned around, uh, I think, uh, a previously questionable at best season in his last three starts. Nelson is 2-0 with a 233 earned run average. He's allowed five earned runs in 19 and a third innings. In his last start, Nelson pitched a career-high seven and a third innings, allowed just one earned run on three hits and one walk with six strikeouts. In fact, four of those strikeouts of the six were against Mike Trout, and uh, Shohei Otani struck both those guys out twice. Meanwhile, around the National League West, the Dodgers rallied from down 4-0, and uh, in, to win their recent stretch of really poor games against bad opponents, quite frankly. Four di- former Diamondbacks, uh, J.D. Martinez and David Peralta, homered back-to-back in the fifth inning. The Dodgers rally from that four-run deficit. They win 6-4 against the Pirates. The Dodgers' struggling bullpen nearly blew it again, but they turned back two bases-loaded jams over the final three innings. Including the last inning was Daniel Hudson, another former Diamondback. He got his first save in 13 months. Uh, he returned to the team last week after tearing the. Uh, he had to actually had an ACL tear uh, back in uh, June of last year against Atlanta. He could really help their bullpen if uh, if he's healthy. And he was. Uh, yeah, he did load the bases last night, but he did get the last two outs of the game. Uh, tonight, the Dodgers go with Julio Urias who was 5-5 five five with a 494 run average. He's also had eight career starts against the Pirates, or if I, eight career appearances against them, five starts, and he has a 417 run average, which you would expect would be a little bit better against the Pirates. Meanwhile, the Giants got an excellent pitching performance from a real starting pitcher last night, Alex Cobb, seven strikeouts and six excellent innings. And he combined with three uh, relievers on a seven-hitter. The Giants ended their four-game losing streak. They beat the Mariners 2-0 on Wednesday night. That avoided a series sweep. Uh, Making his second start since coming off the injured list at the end of June, Cobb was now 6-2, allowed six hits and did not walk a batter. 
And that was the eighth Giants shutout this season. So, the updated National League West standings, the Diamondbacks sitting at 50 and 37. They're only a game and a half ahead or a game and a loss column ahead of the Dodgers, who are 48 and 38. The Dodgers, after tonight, have kind of a, a, a weird, in a way, weekend series. They only play, they play Friday night and Saturday night. Or it might be a Saturday afternoon game, but Friday night they play Friday and Saturday against the Angels, the second installment of the final this year of the Freeway Series. They've won seven straight games against the Angels, including beating them in Anaheim a couple of times a couple of weeks ago. So the Dodgers uh, only two more games before the break. They're off on Sunday. That's I'm sure they're happy about that. Dodger players have got to be thrilled by that to get the extra day. Uh, of uh, whatever they're going to do before the All-Star break. But the Dodgers now second, only one game behind the Dodgers, uh, the Diamondbacks, excuse me, in a loss column. The Giants sitting at 47 and 30, uh, 47 and 40. That's three games behind the Diamondbacks. And once again, we'll talk about the Padres again if they ever get back to 500. They're currently five under. And the Colorado Rockies are probably planning their, their spring training routine for next year. One other quick note, if you missed the pipeline today, also in today's sports, um, uh, the Buda Baker uh, will join the team, the, will join the Cardinals at the start of training camp, according to Baker's agent, who apparently did not say that Baker would be participating in practice to begin training camp. So uh, that would be another story that I'm guessing will be uh, you know, a popular thing to follow when training camp starts at the end of this month. The, I don't have the date. Actually, I do have the date. It's the 27th of July, the Cardinals' uh, first training camp practice. So we'll see if Buda Baker's out there for that first training camp practice. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's Sports Zone. We'll have some national roundup, top by some latest line, or a little around Major League Baseball. We'll get to uh, you know, some from uh, from the scoreboard from yesterday, in addition to the games we just talked about, the two National League West contenders to the Diamondbacks. And then don't forget, in uh, the next two hours, from 10 to noon, it is the Extra Point hosted by Caleb. We will have more phone call time at that point, among other things. 602-260-1060. Right now, you're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. Time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle Lux HG2 100.7. And a little more from the MLB scoreboard. We talked about the Giants' uh, victory last night in the shutout uh, of uh, the Mariners and the Dodgers rallying and then holding on to beat the, the Pirates last night. But also uh, the Rangers... Lead in the AL West is almost gone. The Rangers have led the division for all but one day this season, but their lead's now down to two games after yesterday's loss at Boston. Earlier in the day, the Astros won at home against the Rockies. Last night, Brian Bayo uh, took a shutout into the sixth inning, 
for the Red Sox, and Justin Turner, who's had a really nice season, uh, had two hits and a pair of <clears throat> excuse me and a pair of runs batted in, and the Red Sox uh, beat the slumping Rangers four to two. The Rangers have now lost eight of their last twelve games. The Rangers and Red Sox finished their three-game series tonight. Former Boston uh, pitcher and 2023 American League All-Star uh, Nathan Evaldi, who's 10 and three. Uh, goes to the mound at Fenway against Cutter Crawford, who's three and four. Meanwhile, the Rays and uh, I think their uh, starting pitching is uh, you know they've obviously had injuries and now it's McClanahan's on the injured list. I think that's playing a role in their they're really their first really I think don't question their pro first pro, uh, prolonged slump of the season. Let's call it. Tampa Bay's lost four in a row now and ten out of sixteen. They lost for a second straight day at home to the Phillies. Uh, the Rays lost 8-4 last night to the once again hot Phillies who seem to be, they seem to beat every team they face unless they play the Braves, and somehow they still can't beat the Mets. Uh, Tampa now without their top three starting pitchers, including McClanahan, uh, had to go to Yanni Chirinos yesterday, and it was a disaster. He didn't make it through the third inning. The good news is that Tampa manager Kevin Cash did say yesterday that McClanahan, who has had uh, the recent problem, is mid-back tightness. Uh, but uh, Cash said that McClanahan remains on target to return when eligible on July the 16th. The bad news is uh, Tampa is scheduled for uh, bullpen day today with Sean Armstrong scheduled to open. And Tampa's uh, they have a three-game series this weekend against the Atlanta Braves, who have lost literally five games since June 1st. Five games total since June 1st. Eduardo Rodriguez did not help his trade value in his first start back from the injured list. Rodriguez considered to be the best starting pitcher in uh, baseball to be traded before he went on the disabled list, which was uh, the injured list, which back on May the 28th because of a Pitching uh, arm, actually his left hand had some uh, some kind of strange situation and he went on the injured list, but he returned yesterday. He allowed five runs on six hits, two monstrous home runs in four innings. He threw 79 pitches in those four innings against the A's, the worst team in baseball and one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. It is amazing. Now, the A's had some decent teams there, but... In the last seven seasons, the A's are now 31 and five against Detroit. They're 19 and two against Detroit in Detroit, and uh, they are also 53 and 30 all time at Comerica Park. That's the highest winning percentage of any major league team in any opposing ballpark. Meanwhile, around Major League Baseball. The Mariners, I think, might need a new manager here. Scott Service, is he the issue or part of uh, you know, solving the problem? This is a, certainly an underachieving team and offensively inept. The Mariners at 42 and 43. I think Service is part of the problem. But I don't expect general manager Jerry Depoto to make a move before next week's All-Star game because it's in Seattle. I don't think you fire your manager and then host the All-Star game for a week and try to explain yourself. I think they would just wait until after the All-Star game, and if they're going to make a move, it would be after that. Also heard through the uh, trade rumor grapevine, the Padres uh, dealing Juan Soto and the Cardinals trading Jordan Montgomery. 
The speculation on those two things has certainly accelerated in the recent days. Also, the Cubs are inclined to sign, uh, not inclined, excuse me, to sign Marcus Stroman to a contract extension before the August 1st trade deadline, according to The Athletic. And uh, looking ahead to next week's draft, uh, the uh, Pirates currently have the number one overall pick. And the top position player in the draft is believed to be Dylan Cruz from LSU. He's a Scott Boris client. And apparently he, uh, Cruz and Boris, have let it be known that they do not want the Cruz to be playing for the Pirates organization. So will that make a difference as to who they pick with the first overall pick of the draft? All right, today we have a you know, a full Major League Baseball schedule because you know, the week before the All-Star break, basically I think every team is playing seven games this week uh, until we get to Sunday. And then the Dodgers and the Angels, as I mentioned in the last segment, don't play on Sunday, but I think everybody does until then. But a couple of games to pay attention to, obviously the Diamondbacks trying to avoid being swept at home by the Mets, and that's Carrasco against Ryan Nelson. And Nelson and the Diamondbacks, a 130 favorite tonight. And as I mentioned in the last segment, it's uh, Julio Urias going for the Dodgers. Oviedo, Oviedo excuse me, will go for Pittsburgh. Then the, uh, the Dodgers and Urias, a healthy 250 favorite tonight to win that game in Los Angeles. All right, stay tuned. Next two hours will be the extra point. Hosted by Kale, that include more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening.